Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Cafe, where master business coach Erica Ross Krieger and her special guests teach you how to create true entrepreneurial wealth from the inside out. Grab your favorite podcast beverage and get ready for the Entrepreneur's Cafe. Now here's your host, Erica Ross Krieger. Welcome to the cafe, wealthies. Well, sit back and prepare to be inspired. As many of you know, way back in 2005, I wrote a book called Seven Sacred Attitudes, How to Live in the Richness of the Moment. Now, you can't buy that book anymore. You can get it as an ebook and you can get it as a free ebook if you shoot me an email to tapwitherica at gmail.com and in the subject line, put podcast listener and ask me for the ebook and I'd be glad to send it. But for those of you that aren't going to do that, I decided today I'm going to read you one of the essays that were contained in the book. There's 35 of them, and they're inspirational and designed to have us as entrepreneurs take a time out and really reflect on different things. And lately, for me, I've been reflecting on the idea of taking it one bit at a time. So I thought I'd read this in the spirit of that and read the inquiries at the end as well. So it's a pretty lengthy one, and I hope you love to be read too, because that's what I'm going to do today. And the title of this essay that I wrote is called Tending the Garden. Facing my computer screen, I took a deep breath and prepared to get to work on my manuscript. My fingers were poised above the keyboard. I wanted to write that day. I hoped to write that day. But I sat there. Nothing. I'd been overwhelmed by the enormity of my writing project for weeks, and I just couldn't move forward. I'd face the screen each day, but my deep breaths led neither to inspiration nor to action. And that day was no different than about two or three days before it. So in frustration and boredom, I checked my email. And what else is a girl to do? I'd use any excuse to avoid the anxiety of staring at a blank screen. So I checked my inbox. And I continued to hit delete. One piece of garbage at a time. Delete, delete, delete. Well, that was keeping me busy. Great, I thought. Just one dumb email after another. And then I glanced and saw that a friend had forwarded an email to me. You know, one of those things where it's a story and you want to pass it along. Well, I very seldom even take the time to read those. But the truth of the matter is I was just about to trash it sight unseen. And in desperation for another distraction, I guess I sort of was pushed to just open it anyway. So, you know, very seldom do I think things are are worth reading that are just forwarded from friends that are stories. I just don't have time. But a few of the words in the title spoke to me that day. And the words were the daffodil principle. So I opened it up and it said the daffodil principle by Geraldine Aspland Edwards. And it said, twice my daughter Carolyn had phoned to say, Mother, you must come see the daffodils before they're over. I wanted to go, but it was a two-hour drive from Laguna to Lake Arrowhead. Going and coming would take most of the day, and I honestly did not have a free day until the following week. Come next Tuesday, I promised a little reluctantly on her third call. 
Well, Tuesday dawned cold and rainy. Still, I had promised, so I determinedly drove the length of Route 91, continued on I-215, and finally turned on to Route 18 to drive up the mountain. The summit was swathed in clouds, and I had gone only a few miles when a wet gray blanket of fog covered the highway. I slowed to a crawl, my heart pounding. The road became narrow and winding toward the top of the mountain. I executed each hazardous turn at a snail's pace. I was praying to reach the turnoff at Blue Jay that would signify I had arrived at my daughter's street. When I finally walked into Carolyn's house and hugged and greeted my grandchildren, I said, forget the daffodils, Carolyn, the road is invisible. It's in clouds and fog and there's nothing in the world except you and these darling children that I want to see enough to drive another inch. My daughter smiled calmly. We drive in this all the time, mother. Well, you won't get me back on the road until it clears, and then I'm heading for home, I assured her. I was hoping you'd take me over to the garage to pick up my car. The mechanic just called, and they've finished repairing the engine, Carolyn answered. How far will we have to drive, I asked cautiously. Just a few blocks, she said cheerfully. So we bundled up the children and went out to my car. I'll drive, Carolyn offered. I'm used to this weather. We got into the car and my daughter began driving. In a few minutes, I was aware that we were back on the rim of the world road, heading over the top of the mountains. Where are we going? I exclaimed, distressed to be back on the mountain road in the fog. This isn't the way to the garage. Well, we're going to the garage the long way, Carolyn smiled by way of the daffodils. Carol and I said sternly, trying to sound as if I were still the mother and in control of the situation. Please turn around. There's nothing in the world worth driving on this road in this weather. It's all right, Mom, she replied with a knowing grin. I know what I'm doing. I promise you will never forgive yourself if you miss this experience. And so my sweet darling daughter, who had never given me a minute of difficulty in her whole young life, was suddenly in charge and she was kidnapping me. I couldn't believe it. Like it or not, I was on the way to see some ridiculous daffodils, driving through the thick gray silence of the mist-wrapped mountaintop at what I thought was risk to life and limb. I muttered all the way. After about 20 minutes, we turned onto a small gravel road that branched down into an oak-filled hollow on the side of the mountain. The fog had lifted a bit, but the sky was lowering gray and heavy with clouds. We parked in a small parking lot adjacent to a little stone church. From our vantage point, we could see beyond us in the mist, the crests of the San Bernardino range like the dark humpbacks of a herd of elephants. Far below us, the fog-shrouded valleys, hills, and flatlands stretched away to the desert. On the far side of the church, I saw a path covered in pine needles. Before us, there were towering evergreens, righteous manzanita bushes, and an inconspicuous hand-lettered sign, Daffodil Garden. We took each child's hand, and I followed Carolyn down the path as it wound through the silent giant trees. The mountain sloped away in irregular dips, folds, and valleys, like a deeply creased skirt. Live oaks, mountain laurel, shrubs, and bushes clustered in the folds and in the gray. Dazzling air and green foliage looked dark and monochromatic. I shivered. Then we turned a sharp corner along the path and I gasped. 
Before me lay the most glorious sight, unexpected and completely splendid. It looked as if someone had taken the great gold vat of the sun and poured it over the mountain peaks and slopes where it had run over every rise and into every crevice. Even in the mist-filled air, the mountainside was radiant with light, clothed in massive drifts and waves of daffodils. The flowers grew in majestic swirls, great ribbons and swaths of deep orange, soft white, lemon yellow, salmon pink, rich saffron, and butter yellow. Each different colored variety, I learned later that there were more than 35 varieties of daffodils in that vast display, was planted as a group so that it swelled and flowed like its own river with its own unique hue. In the center of this dazzling display, a cascade of purple grape hyacinths poured down the slope like a waterfall of blossoms framed in its own rock-lined basin. A charming path wound through the garden. There were several resting places paved with stone and furnished with Victorian wooden benches and great tubs of coral and carmine tulips. As if this were not magnificent enough, Mother Nature added her own grace notes. Above the daffodils, a bevy of western bluebirds flitted and darted, flashing their brilliance. These charming little birds, sapphire blue with breasts of magenta red, danced in the air, their colors sparkling like jewels. Above the blowing, glowing daffodils, the effect was breathtaking. It didn't matter that the sun wasn't shining. The radiance of the daffodils was like the glow of the brightest sunlit day. Words, wonderful as they are, simply can't describe the incredible beauty of that flower-bedecked mountaintop. Five acres of flowers. This too I discovered later. But who's done this? I asked Carolyn. I was overflowing with gratitude that she'd brought me here, even against my will. This was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Who, I asked again, almost speechless with wonder, and how, and why, and when? It's just one woman, Carolyn answered. That's her home. My daughter pointed to a well-kept A-framed house that looked small and modest in the midst of all that glory. We walked up to the house, my mind buzzing with questions. On the patio, we saw a poster with the headline, Answers to the Questions I Know You Are Asking. The first answer was a simple one. 50,000 bulbs, it read. The second answer, one at a time, one woman, two hands, two feet, and very little brain. The third answer was, began in 1958. There it was. The daffodil principle. For me, that moment was a life-changing experience. I thought of this woman who decades before had begun one bulb at a time to bring her vision of beauty and joy to an obscure mountaintop, one bulb at a time. There was no other way to do it, one bulb at a time. No shortcuts, simply loving the slow process of planting, loving the work as it unfolded, loving an achievement that grew slowly and bloomed for only three weeks of each year. Still, by planting one small bulb at a time, year after year, 
this quiet woman had forever changed the world in which she lived. I mused aloud. What could I have accomplished had I approached some inspired project as this woman did? My wise daughter glanced at me with a smile. Don't be discouraged, she said. Start today. She was right. We can choose a goal and begin to move toward it by multiplying tiny pieces of time with increments of daily effort. We can accomplish magnificent things. We too can change our world. Multiplying tiny pieces of time with increments of daily effort. Well, when I finished reading the email message that had been forwarded to me that I almost trashed, I opened my browser, turned on the internet. Within one minute, I discovered that the Daffodil Garden is an actual garden in California and that the story in the email had been copied word for word from Geraldine Edwards' book, The Daffodil Principle, published by Shadow Mountain in 2004. Since the book was available online, I took a minute more, ordered a copy, sent a quick email to Geraldine, asked her for permission to include the piece in this book, and went back to writing with a renewed spirit. One at a time, I planted the words on the page that needed planting that day. And I hadn't missed many days since. So that's the story that's in the book, Seven Sacred Attitudes. And it inspires me to this day. The questions I have for you are, how do you keep your dreams alive? And what could you start right now that you've been putting off? And which activities, habits, or beliefs do you need to weed out of your life? And where in your life do you resist beauty, joy, or pleasure? And finally, what would you like to plant in the garden of your life? beginning with a single bulb today. So there you have it, my friends, the idea of planting one bulb at a time, taking it step by step, pushing away the saboteur of overwhelm and saying yes to your inner sage who knows the single next thing you need to do or know to be in a state of divine grace. And that last quote is from my friend, BJ King, who always reminds me to ask that question at the end of a day. So it bears repeating. What's the single next thing I need to do or know to be in a state of divine grace? You know exactly what that is. So I'm going to encourage you to do it. Take action today. Okay, wealthies, always remember success is in your nature and true wealth starts from the inside out. A recap of a few things I mentioned, as well as the questions I asked will be in the show notes, along with a link to my free Entrepreneur's Wealth Kit and a reminder of my email if you'd like a free copy of the ebook, Seven Sacred Attitudes. And I wish you well. I wish you happy planting one step at a time. Have a lovely week. Tune in next week for another episode. Okay, podcast team, take us out. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur's Cafe podcast. 
If you like the show, please rate, recommend, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts so we can spread the positivity and the love of entrepreneuring from the inside out. Until next time, my friends, listen to your big entrepreneurial heart. Follow your passion, take that inspired action, and be boldly and brilliantly you. You can get more valuable advice and inspiration from Erica's free Entrepreneur's Toolkit over at ericarosscoach.com forward slash toolkit.